Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. The title of the podcast is a reference to our patriarch Jacob, who wrestled with God, wrestled with the angel, Yisrael, the one who wrestles with God. But Jacob was also a dreamer. And in the course of this podcast, I both wrestle with texts and ideas, but also express what I believe Judaism teaches, namely an optimism and a faith in the betterment of the world and balancing between wrestling the world with the world and dreaming of better times and working for those better times. This episode of the podcast will focus on wrestling and there is no story in the Torah which is more deserving of wrestling with than the story of the binding of Isaac, Akedat Yitzchak, that we read this week. No matter how many times one reads the story, no matter how many times we look and, and consider the issues that this story brings up, there's always more. There's always more to wrestle with. And in fact, what I want to do today is share with you something that occurred to me just last night as I'm recording this. Just something that had been on my mind for so many years when thinking about the story of the Binding of Isaac. And for the first time, literally in the middle of the night last night, I realized there's another way to look at it and another way to understand this aspect of the story. So let me first of all say that the story itself is extraordinarily difficult. The foundational questions, why did God ask Abraham to sacrifice his son? And why did Abraham agree? The Torah calls it a test. What, what was the test? Did Abraham pass the test? Did Abraham fail the test? All of those are incredibly difficult questions. And I don't want to ignore them as much as leave them for another year and focus on another question. And that has to do with the character of Isaac. Isaac is the most enigmatic character in the book of Breshit, in the book of Genesis. We just can't figure him out. He's just so difficult to understand. And one of the aspects of the story of the binding of Isaac is his particular behavior and the way he approaches it. According to the Torah, he is just a passive participant in this. He asks his father Abraham, here is the wood and here is the, the firestone, but where's the lamb for the offering? And Abraham says, God will provide the offering for the lamb, my son. And apparently, according to the story, that satisfies Isaac. And we don't hear another thing from him. And then he's taken off the altar when the sacrifice is, is stopped before it takes place. And then he disappears. We don't see him again for quite a while. And he doesn't really talk very much the rest of the way at least not until the very end of the story of his life where he seeks to bless his son Esau and Jacob is, is um, uh, substituted for Esau and that's a story we'll talk about another time. We just don't understand him. He has an important role to play. He's the link between the active characters of Abraham and Jacob, but on his own, we don't really understand him. And the story of the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, is extraordinarily difficult to understand because we don't know how old he is. The Torah doesn't tell us how old uh, Isaac is. He's obviously old enough to talk, but one can ask the question, how old is he? 
And does he have the power to resist the sacrifice? And, and can he reason with his father? Can his father, in fact, physically prevent him, Isaac, if Isaac wanted to, from getting off the altar? We don't know how old, how strong he is. We know nothing about this. The Midrash, in fact, the Agadah, the legends told about the story of the binding of Isaac are fascinating. And I want to share with you a couple of them and then express to you this new idea that I have about it, this new way of looking at it that I, I occurred to me last night as I literally was wrestling with the story in my mind. First of all, there's another, there's an important character that shows up in the Agadah, in the rabbinic legends about the story of the binding of Isaac who's not present at all in the story in the Torah. And that's the Satan. The Satan is the adversary angel, the one who is in fact the one who tries to prevent people from doing the, what God wants them to do in essence in this particular case and in other cases as well. And according to the story, the Satan tries to prevent Abraham from going through with the sacrifice. He tries to talk Abraham out of it. He says, you know, God, God promised you uh, that your son Isaac would be the one who inherited the blessings and lead your people, and now you're going to sacrifice him, and Abraham is steadfast. He said, regardless, I am going to do this. And it goes on for quite a few paragraphs about this. And then, according to this Agadah, the Satan turns himself into a river. And Abraham practically drowns in the river and calls out to God just before he sinks under, under the, the waters to help, to, 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 to save him. And, of course, he comes out of this river and continues on the way with Isaac. And then, in fact, the Satan approaches Isaac and says to Isaac, do you know what your father is going to do to you? And Isaac says, I will go to do the will of my father and my creator. So the Satan fails. It's then, according to the series of Agadot, and uh, these are all, not all from one place. Some are from what's known as Midrash Tanchuma, other from other places, but they form an interesting narrative. And if you uh, and, and the narrative can be found in a book called Sefer Haggadah, the Book of Legends, which is a gorgeous book, which takes legends from the different rabbinic texts and kind of packages them nicely. And in this particular case, here is what Isaac says to Abraham as they get closer. First of all, he says, number one, don't tell mom, don't tell Sarah, don't tell my mother when she's standing on the roof or near the well because she will fall off and die because I know what this will say to her. And then he says to Abraham, to his father, tie me well, tie me well on the altar because I don't want to invalidate the sacrifice by moving, by squirming in some way. For years, I've looked at those two texts as saying, look at how Isaac is in fact buying into this. And with it, 100%, he's all in on this sacrifice. He's concerned about his mother and he's, he's concerned that the sacrifice be, be uh, kosher, in essence, be, be proper. So he clearly has bought into this. But last night in the middle of the night, it suddenly occurred to me that maybe that's not the way that the story should be read. 
maybe these statements by Isaac were not said with the sincere hope that all would happen the way he said, that Sarah would be told about the sacrifice when she was on level ground, and that, in fact, he would not invalidate the sacrifice. But maybe he was appealing to Abraham's emotion. Maybe he was being, in a sense, the word probably is not sarcastic, but ironic, just saying to his father, okay, then you have to time me really well because that's going to be the only way that the sacrifice is going to be um, accepted. And, you know, I, I don't want to bring this up, in fact, but my mother's going to be very upset. So make sure. So maybe what he's doing is appealing to Abraham's emotion. And according to this particular Midrash, Abraham, in the set of Agadot, the set of legends, hears what Isaac says and starts to cry so much that the knife slips out of his hand. And then by the time he picks it up again, the angel has come to stop the sacrifice, and then God tells Abraham, in fact, not to sacrifice Isaac. So maybe it wasn't this noble statement of Isaac, I'm buying into your particular plan, but rather the opposite. Maybe Isaac had been influenced by the Satan, perhaps, according to this, but, but seriously, just by his own emotion, his own sense of, of, of what was right and what he didn't want his father to do. But instead of saying, don't do it, he made it clear that he was ready to do it, but was saying so in a very ironic way to make his father realize the enormity of what he was about to do to him and, by extension, to Sarah. I'm fascinated by this idea because we learn so much from our children. And sometimes our children go along with what we want them to do. And sometimes they hold a mirror in front of us and say, look who you are and look what you're about to do. And sometimes the way we listen to our children is when they find ways to say things that really touch us deeply and they really make us realize not that we're bad parents or bad people, but that we haven't thought about the situation enough and we need to think about it some more. Perhaps if Isaac had said, I won't do this, Abraham would have treated him just as an adolescent rebel. But the fact that Isaac thought about it and told Abraham, sure, go ahead and do this, but just realize these are things you're going to have to do to make this work. Perhaps he said it in such a way that it actually dawned on Abraham what Abraham was about to do. And that caused Abraham to realize how wrong it would have been. Perhaps this Agadah, this legend, is told to give us something, an insight into this character who's so enigmatic, this character of Isaac. Perhaps this Agadah, this legend, is meant to show that Isaac really was not only a sensitive and passionate person, but was intelligent enough and wise enough to be able to say something exactly the way his father had to hear it so that this horrible wrong would not happen. God bless our children who sometimes teach us 
how we ourselves must change. Until next time, thank you.